and welcome to this special episode of the Game Live London podcast. My name is Stuart Deville and we are here at the Samsung KX venue, the hub of innovation. Uh, today my special guest is Jay Shin of Arrogant Pixel and I will now pass over to her to introduce herself. Hi, my name's Jay. I'm a co-founder of an indie studio called Arrogant Pixel. Uh, so we make video games, but I also am a lecturer at um, a few universities and colleges. And um, I'm also doing a PhD at Birkbeck, University of London. And it's so lovely to be here in this amazing venue. So thank you so much for you inviting me. So uh, the topic that we want to start with today is employment versus self-employment. Mm -hmm. I know that both of us are self-employed, so we <laughs> will try to be even and not biased. Well, actually, as of late, I have actually become employed. So maybe I can give you yeah. <laughs> like a, a little bit on the other side, but I'm not. I'm not the greatest employee, like I say, so maybe we'll go into that a little bit anyway. But um, yeah, what we wanted to talk about in general was that it's kind of like a lifestyle choice, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And it is a choice as to whether you want to become self-employed or not. I don't think that many people find themselves falling into it. No, it's really. definitely a conscious decision. Like yeah. I want to be in control of everything that, and I think that's where it comes from, isn't it? Like it's a control thing, I want to mm -hmm. do what I want to do and I don't want other people telling me what I can do. Mm. I think with different personality types as well, it really can differ. So what I teach, uh, um, well, my background anyway, the lecturing stuff was mm. that I came from uh, a music background, yeah. but um, at university I did music management. So it wasn't like the performance side of things. I went down the more artist development and sort of industry side. So we got a lot of um, law modules, had a lot of psychology modules, like organizational psychology and um, things like that. And what I learned from that course, I've been kind of putting into my own sort of learning materials sure. for my students. Yeah. So a lot of that has got to do with like reflection, I think. Mm. Not a lot of people spend enough time reflecting on stuff, on anything. It's just like, how did my day go today? Yeah. You know, am I happy with how it went? Did I have any interactions that maybe if I were to go back, I would do over that sort of thing? Maybe yeah. people do think about I think I think some people have yeah. that like uh, going over conversations, but I, d I think it's rare that it's a good thing that they're doing it. Normally mm. it's ruminating over, oh, I shouldn't have said that was such a stupid thing to yeah, say. Rarely is it constructive. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I'm sure people think about things like an embarrassing thing that happened, you know, years ago and it suddenly comes up as you're trying to sleep and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But in terms of actually like reflecting and then doing something positive about it or actually mm -hmm. actioning some change of behavior out of it, not too many people tend to do that. Yeah, really. especially not when it comes to careers, I don't think. Like, mm. you don't, you, it's very easy to get stuck in that drudgery of going to work, doing the work, coming home, sitting on the sofa, yeah. vegging out and being like, ugh, today was horrible. Mm. But, and that's as far as you get. Whereas, what you ideally would do is get home and be like, what did I do today? Am I happy doing this, like, long term? Do I want to do this day in, day out? Um, as we've said before, mm. like, what am I going to be doing when I'm 40? What am I going to be doing when I'm 70? Like all of these things are not, it's not like normal to kind of just think about, I guess. Yeah. I mean, for you, like how did you get into game development, for example? Um, the long way around. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, or you can do it. Short yeah, oh, well, the, short, the short version is that um, I thought I wanted to be um, a character artist. Um, I was gearing myself up, uh, teaching myself everything that I needed to know to be a character artist. Mm -hmm. 
um, started to try and get into AAA studios, realized that it's hard enough when you haven't, it's hard enough when you have studied to get in, let alone whether you're self-taught or not. Um, there's a lot of people in AAA who get laid off, and so AAA just reconsumes them. Mm -hmm. um, so the barrier of entry there was like insane, and I was like, but I still want to do it. Um, so it made a, I started uh, by making a game with a friend of mine, and from there, the ideas came, and I was like, okay, I just need to do this bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I need my own studio. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Yeah, no, that's so cool, though. I think it's a similar story, like, I mean, not similar in that I wanted to be a character artist or I wanted to be um, in games per se, mm. but I remember like watching Lord of the Rings and it came, da came out at a time where I was just like really, like, really into it. Mm. And the thing, it wasn't the movie exactly, it was I got the deluxe edition of Lord of the Rings and they had like 12 hours of behind the scenes. Right. And I had that on repeat, I'm telling you, like on repeat, like throughout college, university and just be like, I just want to be part of the production. Mm. of something, of anything. It, did, it could be music, it could be film, it could be games. I wasn't bothered. I just want to have a hand in like creating something and I want it to be my thing. Mm. That was more where I was coming from. So obviously my career in music didn't pan out, guys, so you don't, you know, <laughs> just so you know. Um, and I found myself, um, you know, with my partner at the time, thinking, what could we do? Um, we've been in, band, in and out of bands together, that right. sort of thing. And he was like, I want to learn how to program. And I'm like, that's cool. Um, for what? And he was like, oh, we really, we're really into games. Like, let's try and make something. And we booted up like Wintermute engine, like back in the day. It was, wow. it was 2012, I think, probably when we first opened any kind of programmed. I mean, I'd done like RPG Maker stuff in the past and he'd done a lot of like, um, animations and he'd done a lot he was involved in a lot of the modding community right, and things right. like that. so he had a little bit of a background in it but um it was just out of wanting to create something i think our bands had like kind of failed and like our projects had kind of failed and we were thinking okay we we want to do something that is going to make us money at the end of the day and but we didn't want to just go and get like a normal job mm -hmm. <laughs> and we just always like me and him were kind of similar in that we're like really stubborn and have to like kind of do things our way mm -hmm. and that's just sort of how all of this sort of came about but then again I'm, t I'm talking about this like that was because my personality type was of of that sort of type I guess mm -hmm. to want to like reach out and do things on my own um, and not everybody has that and that's okay because yeah. I think um, people look at like Elon Musk and these entrepreneurs, they're seen as like rock stars, uh, you know, people to aspire to be. Yeah. And absolutely, they're like inspiring people. But again, not everybody, not everybody really understands what comes with that. There's a lot of sacrifice and a lot yeah. of like, I can't hang out with you because I'm working on my business that isn't making money at the moment. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of people don't quite, Get I what think people about? also don't look into like where Elon Musk started. A lot of people just go, oh, he's a massive success. It's because he's a genius. Mm -hmm. Like, no, he had like a fair few failures before he got to the thing that made him enough money to do the bigger thing, to do the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and a lot of that, like you say, came from him deciding at some point, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And the way that I'm going to do that is that, that's my pure focus. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of people finding their pure focus, though, in 
like what would what advice would you give people like that were mm. thinking uh, like ruminating over this question sort of self-employment versus employment um I, I think you're right in terms of you kind of need to ask yourself what kind of personality you have um like do you do you care if you're um if, if you want to be in game development do you care whether or not it's your game you're making or are you just like oh, i just want to be part of it i just want to like maybe you love the camaraderie of working with, with other people um which in which case you probably do want to be part of the machine or if you're like actually um i've got this idea this idea is what i want to make um and then you need to figure out how you're going to do that and mm. who you who you need to do that with yeah i mean that's the that's the problem isn't it it's just like with I guess being a musician, you can do it all yourself. Mm. You know, like I'm going to be the singer-songwriter. I'm going to make everything. I'm going to do everything. Film the video, whatever. Um, with games, it's slightly harder because um, each. I guess the departments in like triple A studios are quite siloed. Mm -hmm. um, so, as a result, undergraduate degrees and colleges like kind of churn out. You know people with skills that they think that the industry needs but actually what they need is like just some just a body in a chair you know doing the thing and it's yeah. not everything that you've learned at university so and we've got to remember here that the games industry is like really young mm. it's only yeah. been around for 50 years so there's no established way of doing things like I like when I first entered the games industry I assumed it was going to be like the music industry and that I'd be able to find loads of information online about mm. like the industry. But I tried to type in like typical production deal, you know, publishing deal. Yeah. And you can't find any. No. Um, whereas um, in the music industry, there's a website called Rock Paper Shotgun. And there's all of these like examples of, you know, riders and contracts and things like that, that, you know, famous artists have signed. So you, there's an idea of like what the higher end looks like, whereas in games, like nothing. Well, I mean, I guess it's it's just not been around as long. And I think I think um, there's definitely information out there, but it's not all in one place. Um, I found that a lot of the information that I pulled together was from going to physical meetups and networking with people. Right. Yeah, it's talking to other people. It's yeah. it's actual information from people that have been there, like from yeah. the horse's mouth. There's rarely um, someone out there like giving this information away freely. Really. I think the other problem is though that like when you listen to or, or watch someone's devlog um, or when someone like does a, a post-mortem of their game and their release every single one that I watch is completely different they did it a completely different way and even those that are successful still kind of didn't have the same formula because um, when you make a game obviously the success is dependent on whether or not the market wants it and you, to a large degree you don't really know like unless you've got money to put into mm. like mining that data like it's, it's so i think it's hard to even have that for the game industry mm, yeah because it's just like no one can predict the future like you know as much as the, you know there's economists and people that try but there's been plenty of times where they've been wrong mm -hmm. and these are experts right so it's just like, how are you going to know that in three years time that your games can be relevant you yeah. know and that's the madness of it because game development normally at like a certain level takes so long that like a console generation might have passed mm -hmm. you know over the dev cycle and then you suddenly have to go oh my god i have to make a ps5 
version of this because otherwise it's not going to be relevant. That's a massive or there headache. there was no switch before. Sure, yeah, 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 just things like that. It's just things will happen w which you just need to just adapt or you you don't survive kind of thing. It's like the basics of sort of game theory, I guess, in business when we're talking about that. It's like having a dominant strategy, but there's no way to have a dominant strategy if you're not aware of the environment in which you're operating in. And games, as you know, is like every new game that you make, it's a project because it's not a process, mm -hmm. right? A process you would think um, in project management, we would call it something that is replicable. Yeah. So if you've done it before, then it's a process. If you haven't done it before, you do it so rarely that you have to like work things out again. Mm -hmm. It's a project, like a wedding is a project, yeah. for example. Um, and that's got a budget, that's got a time frame, that's got all of these people and different things to organise. And if you get married again, it will be another project because it's not the same as the previous... Not it's the same wedding, not the same taste. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have to think of games, uh, game development in general as like a whole project management problem um, because we're dealing with very complicated projects, probably multiple of them once, you're, once you get to a certain level, and then managing them at different phases of, of development. It just blows your mind, like what you kind of need to do. How, what would you say would be a good way to figure out whether or not your personality is the kind of personality that c can manage that beast? Like, can, like I didn't know beforehand that yeah. I was going, going to be able to manage it the way that I have. I'm sure you were saying like, <laughs> yeah. there's no way you could have known the way you would be when you get there. No, I mean, I guess some people just know, but um, I would say that the best, the best way to sort of understand what kind of person that you are is just to get a job. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have a job, just get one, see how it feels. Like, are you, are you dreading going into work every day? Then it's probably something that doesn't, whether it's the job or whether it's like the physical act of just like being somewhere at the same time, like you have to kind of work that out and really ask yourself those questions because I found myself, you know, working full time, um, performing and doing all of that stuff and dreading going out for drinks later. Right. And most people would like really like be looking forward to that. But I would be like, oh, God, I'm going to have to put on my showbiz face and talk to all these people that I don't know mm. um, and be in a really loud environment and in a really dimly lit yeah. environment. Just something about that, like, it wasn't, I didn't have a problem with performing. It was the after parties that I had an issue with, I think, yeah. um, and the traveling and the touring and everything else <laughs> apart from that. But um, in general, there was just something about my job that just wasn't right, that wasn't sitting right, which meant, and there was nothing that I could do about it because that was the nature of the industry. Mm -hmm. It's not like I could go in and change that. Yeah, change so I had sure. to either like, like it or lump it, basically. I decided to lump it. Um, not, not really, but in, in terms of, I've always been like very independent and I knew that um, whenever I got a job I'd rise very quickly like you, you said like you um, I've got similar experience like when you get hired like people are like oh yeah that person sort of knows what they're doing like well, we'll promote you to manager but then I'd hit the ceiling like really quickly of like yeah. wherever I was because it's not like I could become CEO no. or anything um, even though I probably do a good job yeah do you know what I mean but like yeah, in, in, I guess you call it mainstream jobs, like mm -hmm. there is the ladder and the ladder is you're at the bottom, you're in the middle, you're at the top. Mm -hmm. And then to go beyond, above and beyond that, you need to start your own 
Yeah. So. I mean, I guess when you're a successful employee, you kind of like get absorbed into the wolf pack mm. anyway, into like management. So you start to like get involved in like some of those decisions or like at least like be in that environment where those like higher level decisions are being made. Yeah. And then um, I guess um, finding a mentor was a really like a really important um, thing for me. Like. I was talking to well Jade earlier actually about um, my experience at Drum Shack. I've been they've been my oldest clients for, for a very very long time. They're an independent drum shop in Clapham Junction, right. and the owner Mark he um, he really inspired me because he's like a wheeler dealer, bit cheeky chappy kind of thing, and he showed me that being an entrepreneur or being a business owner didn't mean like. I don't know what I thought of thought an entrepreneur was, but I just always imagined somebody like in a suit. It was a bit oily. I, I always had like a very different opinion of people who were calling themselves entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. Because there, there is that. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> it, it That's almost, not a job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it gets, it gets to a point where like people tell you you're an entrepreneur and you're like, nah, I'm not, I don't like that word. Yeah. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he definitely inspired me a lot because he, I could see where the money was going like to the staff and I was just like wow okay you have been propping up these people for like 20 25 years I want a business that can last that long mm. so my philosophy when it comes to running my business is longevity I don't need overnight success but if it means that we can survive to fight another day then that's the victory yeah. that's what I mean um, I can pay my staff but obviously I get paid last that's what I mean I, I want to feed everyone else first so that the company grows it's not yeah. really about the individual and that's probably what you i guess if you like helping people like even like jade and you are like really really inspiring like bringing like the entire community together you just have like this need to connect people mm. and head something up and lead and there's people like that and then there's people that just aren't and I think if you are the type of person that really isn't very good with handling responsibility and you know that about yourself, maybe you would find like employed life like a lot less stressful. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like, like being employed is really like in terms of financial stuff. Which can be like, very comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of comfort, um, I, when you find yourself in this uh, position where you're very comfortable, I think you need to ask yourself um, whether or not that comfortableness is just uh, happy or like you said before, if it's perhaps a part of procrastination. Mm -hmm. I think that like, like if you're in a comfortable place, it's really easy to procrastinate because like nothing's like going wrong. Mm. But if you like, there's a term that we were talking about, which was like cognitive dissonance, right? When you're feeling in a place, something's not quite right. and there's that feeling of dread maybe when you wake up in the morning to go to work maybe you dread work that's that's another thing but also just like you know how do you feel when your partner walks into the room mm. for example like a lot of people procrastinate on leaving really bad relationships yeah. um, people procrastinate on staying in jobs that aren't for them um, that they aren't putting a hundred percent of themselves into and that's bad for the business as it is for you for your own mental health so I think it's really important for people especially in 2020 as well to like really because everyone's got a choice you can stop doing what you're doing maybe you know things like poverty and stuff prevent you from doing that but largely you can like retrain 
um, you can go into different industries. You can stop everything that you're doing now, move country. You can do that. Like, you know, you've got the freedom to do it. There's people over the, uh, all around the world that maybe don't have that choice. And if you do have that choice, then why are you not exercising that? You know, because you're not, you're not helping anybody. I, I think you're right when you were uh, talking earlier about how um, there's not, you're not having any moments of reflection. Like you probably are just coming home being like, oh, that was awful. Sit front of the TV, veg out. You're not, you're not engaging your brain thinking, well, actually, what might my career look like? Like, mm -hmm. where could I be? What could I be doing? Mm. Like a generally a good exercise is that uh, a lot of people don't really think about like the next week ahead to the next month to the next year to the next five years to the next year 10 years to the next 20 years like it's so hard to imagine yourself as like let's say like a 70 year old man or like a 70 year old woman but it's gonna happen guys <laughs> it's gonna happen one day and thinking like are you doing anything towards like your pension how how are you, what are you going to do? Like, mm -hmm. seriously, e like with musicians, that was my main thing because obviously they're freelancers. They've got to sort their lives out if they want to like get anything when they retire or even reach retirement in that industry. So it's like you have to just sort of imagine, like, just imagine where you might be like in six it, when you're sixty or seventy, and just be like, am I happy with that? Mm. Uh, is that something where is that realistic? Also, um, of course, we'd all love to, in an ideal scenario, be, you know, sipping cocktails on a beach somewhere with loads of money. But, um, no, like doing what you do, doing what you love, is it sustainable for 40 years? Are you going to make something that's going to last 40 years? Yeah. You know, so like I said um, previously, that my philosophy is longevity. Like you want to survive until... Um, to make it to fight another day like you only need one hit mm. as a game developer really to like get your name out then actually get the ball rolling you don't need every product to be a success you just need to stay alive i think um, a lot of devs actually are procrastinating and are scared to just get that first release out there mm. like a lot of devs will um I, I don't know whether it's like shyness or they just don't they're scared of what will happen when they release it out there like will it just get a ton of bad reviews and then mm -hmm. my career's crashed like that's that's not a thing like you need to get your game out there people need to know you're making games mm -hmm. and once you've got that first game out there there's there's a thing within like the game dev community where and it's not something that a lot of us talk about i don't think but like if someone comes to you and goes oh i've got great I game ideas you're like oh yeah yeah cool 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 and that's kind of where that ends but when you're like oh yeah i i've I've had these like cool game ideas and I released this and I released that and then you go, oh, shit, let me have a look. And then you kind of... You can finish stuff. Yeah, you Let's make talk. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, no, I think in general, like the advice that I give my students, especially that 16 to 19 year old age group is just like, make your first game. It's going to be bad. Make your second game. That's like genuinely like the... Any game company, if you want to be an employee or anything like that, would hire you having you having released that say you're like 16 16 to 19 you've released a game before on steam and or newgrounds even they'll just be like this kid's going somewhere mm -hmm. you know we're yeah. going to take a chance on him because in reality i'm not i'm not saying that um, game development is like a unskilled job or anything but like no. it's it's something that can be taught and generally if you're getting employed by a larger company you're just given a very specific job so anyone can really do it like even at a junior level really all you need to prove is that you can complete stuff and that you like 
games you know they want yeah. to see the passion because to be honest if you're in game development to make money like in terms of like the millions of pounds like that sort yeah. of thing wrong kind of industry to be in because we're notorious for like underpaying our staff you know if like for example a programmer could probably earn more like at Deutsche Bank Oh, absolutely. You know, do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you're doing it for money, then it's probably the wrong... You have to really think of the reason why you're doing it. I've actually met quite a lot of guys who were yeah, developing in that sector mm. and then have been like, it's soul-destroying. Yeah, sure, the money means that I was like super comfortable or whatever, but um, I, a lot of them are like, oh, I've been having this dream about this game and mm. I just wanted to make it, so that's what I've been doing. Um, and some of them are even like, oh, I'm still working there, mm -hmm. but the second that I can figure this all out and the second there's somewhere for me to go I'm gonna go there. Yeah I mean my, my one of my housemates works for Deutsche Bank and she loves it like she is absolutely loving being part of like you know a really big company and just having that prestige and also just being quite high up in the company she's really proud of the responsibility that she has and I'm like that is amazing but also like I I don't know if like too many people would you know I don't think too many people will trade that if they found themselves in that situation where that you're getting so much money it's just like you really need to want to do games to like leave that and if that's that's what it is then do it you know there's nothing stopping you and then again you don't have to start up an indie games company to be a game developer either it's just like you can do like the smaller junior jobs if you don't have any experience yeah maybe get a job first I wouldn't start up a company unless you've actually worked though mm. That's probably one thing that I'll say. So it's like get dip your toe in like both areas and see what's good for you. Cases as well, you need to um, like it's similar for us really. Like mm -hmm. you need to have worked in higher positions and un understand what it is, what the commitment level is there, like what the responsibilities are there. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're not ready for that, then that that might stop you before you get started. Yeah, or like you were saying earlier, it's just like if you're an artist and you really really want to um, start up a games company but maybe you're a bit of an introvert maybe you're not too strong on like the biz dev social networking kind of side of things then get pull a buddy in that really wants to really really is into that or is good at that and then you don't have to be alone either yeah. and as you know it's i actually think that the uh, the solo author kind of like romanticism around like indie dev is like is i mean they exist mm. but they still didn't make that game in a vacuum. That's what I'm saying. It's just like there's always like someone in the periphery or a few other people in the periphery that make it happen because it's impossible for one person to like have it all. Certainly you know. it's uh, almost impossible for a solo dev to make a smash success hit mm -hmm. on like entirely on their own, having yeah. done all of the artwork, all of the story, all of the everything, the, like programming. I mean, they tend to be the lead engineers anyway, right? So mm. they have the programming background. But then again, there's um, certain games that you can see that you can tell have been made by programmers because like, the focus is slightly different to like, maybe having like, a team work Ooh, on nice. it. Mm. Like, it's a really, really amazingly fun game to play. Mm -hmm. Looks all right. As opposed to like, <laughs> if you'd have maybe hooked up with a couple of artists who like, love creating. Like, I mean, that was our first game, exactly. Yeah. So we, because like, obviously Ben's um, a lot stronger on the programming side, and I'm, I'm like, okay at graphics. Like, I don't pretend to be like a character animator. I do like basic graphic design and stuff. But um, there was no way that I could produce you know, AAA graphics at the time. So that was the style that we went with, pixel art. That was what we could do. And now, you know, we 
gotten slightly better, or I hope, and we're, we're making something slightly different and a little bit better, in my opinion, visually. But like, unless you've got like that strong like engineer in your company, it's really hard, like with game dev. So unless you are the engineer, in which case, well done, congratulations, you've saved a lot of money and a lot of stress. Yeah. But um, it would tend to be, I guess, like fairly well organised people because you have to be when you're doing tidy like programming work. Whereas as a creative, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, maybe I'm going to throw this this way. Maybe I'm going to try this that way. And like, you can be really malleable. <laughs> typical artist. I am a typical artist. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so, and e actually even for me, like starting to run my own studio, I had to really rein in my freely freeness and mm -hmm. come into like, okay, I need to be a lot more organized. Yeah, I guess that's the strength with my, um, I didn't, I don't think, I fell into project management. I don't think anybody wakes up, goes, like, I'm going to be a project manager. Yeah. Like, I think that's just like crazy. Like, that's, that's not something that you learn until you've actually managed projects before. And people, actually, I quite enjoy like, you know, organizing stuff. But um, not a lot of indie companies have um, a biz dev person or a project manager mm -hmm. in there because they don't think that it's a valuable, well, maybe. It, I think it, in some cases, it just doesn't occur to people that that's going to be part of what you're doing. <laughs> It, I, honestly, like it didn't. It didn't for me when I started out. I just mm -hmm. thought, oh, I can gather five or six creative people together. We're all really cool, amazing creative people. It will just work. And then the more I networked and the more I spoke to other people who run their own studios and stuff, and they're like, oh yeah. So what? What kind of? What you know? What you're doing on the business development side? And I'd be like, what? What do you mean by that? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know, what? What are your plans for the careers of the people that you're employing? Um, and that's when I started to be like, oh yeah, I need to be a really good boss if I'm going to do mm -hmm. this. Yeah, that's the thing. It's about being, you're the head of your company. Like, there's nobody higher than you. There's no one that you can go to to ask these questions. And that's why I'm really grateful to my mentors. So I do actually have people that I can call up and be like, help, I don't know what I'm doing. But um, I've found that it's really good to have um, people around you that are like 10 years younger than you and like maybe 10 years plus older than you as well, because then they've got different perspectives. and. I really, really appreciate that. That is something that like kind of makes me feel like I'm going in the right direction. Because like, okay, someone that's a lot younger than me, 18, understands what I'm doing. Someone in their 40s maybe understands what I'm doing. Okay, this is something that we can navigate. Um, I think that's that's what helps you with this. Like, what does your career look like? Stuff like, mm -hmm. you can't. In some cases, you might have a really good imagination. You could be like, oh, okay, I think I know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. But it's actually better if you can go and speak to someone who's doing it, has done it, and be like, what does that career look like? How mm. do I get to that? Yeah, making friends in the industry that are sort of just a little bit outside your age group, just so the knowledge that you can really like gain from doing that is just, you know, insane. And just talking to people in general, because people are just like fonts of knowledge about anything and everything, really, if you reach out. So like, I guess the point is whether you are self-employed or employed is just to talk just communicate and be better at doing it. And e if, even if you're an introvert, like we're social creatures, right? Yeah. There's, you can't go your entire life without saying a word to people. So it's just about getting comfortable being a social person, yeah. I guess. I, and, and I think that you know, you'll be successful whatever you choose to do, if that's something that you're um, uh, nurturing, that skill, anyway. That's a very good point. Um, I think that's a very good point to wrap up on Hopefully. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
uh, for everyone who's listening, um, why don't you tell people where they can find you online? Okay, um, you can check out my game, The Tale of Doris and the Dragon. Um, I'm sure you can Google it. There's episodes one and two out right now. Um, otherwise, you can go on uh, arrogantpixel.com to find out more information. We're on Twitter, Instagram, all the bits. All the usual places. It's great. <laughs> Um, and if you want to find out more about Game Dev London, you can just visit gamedev.london. Um, we also have a Discord, so feel free to come join us there. And until next time, I've been Stuart Bill. It's been Jay Shin. Thanks very much.